In the shadow of the most powerful city in the world, the Capital Golf Gang is on the air with instructor John Ronis from the Ronis Academy at River Creek, executive director of the Middle Atlantic PGA, John Gould, and former University of Maryland golfer, Ron Thomas. And now your host from Afternoon Drive on the Team 980 Radio in Washington, D.C., Steve Zabin. Well, might need to update that open, boys, but it is a special emergency council meeting of the golf nerds, a.k.a. the Capital Golf Gang. The gang is all here. Ronis is in my very studio. Golf clap to Johnny Ronis. Good to be here. Director of Instruction at the Woodmont at Wood. <laughs> wow. I just redo the whole open. <laughs> Director of Instruction at the Ronus Academy at River Creek in Leesburg. Ron Thomas and John Gould are with us by phone today. Good afternoon, boys. How are we doing? Ronnie, you first. How's life treating you in 2021? Life is great. Let's talk off. All right. Mr. Gould, how are you? I'm doing well. Just plugging along. All right. Very good. Here we go, boys. We are called to this emergency council meeting to talk about the Patrick Reed situation. Can't tell you how many people that listen to the Zabecast and listen to my show saying, you got to do a capital golf gang. I want to hear from you guys. This is the sort of thing that is endlessly fascinating to those of us who play the game. I think it is. Maybe not. We'll find out. And it is eye-glazingly stupid. And what? <laughs> to anybody who's never played golf for as much as a $2 Nassau. Can we start with an agreement that that's the split, right? Yeah. This is some no, serious definitely. inside baseball. Right. But my reaction was, holy shit. And I can say that because we're not on the air. That's <laughs> cheating. I'm going to start with you, Mr. Thomas, as our resident playing expert, you play in more competitive, count all your shots, play by the rules events than any of us. Then I'll go to John Ronis, and then I will let Mr. Gould, who is a certified rules official, weigh in third, and then we'll just start rumbling. We'll start with you, Ron Thomas. What'd you think? Did I, what did I think about Patrick Reed and the plugged ball? Is yes! Are you, hey, are Ryan, you Ryan, listening? No, no, I am. But, I mean, I, I just don't understand what there is to think about because he, he got a ruling from a rules official. Well, tell me what so, you think. I, I think he got a ruling from a rules official. I don't think he saw his ball land, so he didn't know if it plugged or not. And within the rules of the game, he asked a rules official who granted him relief, and therefore he took relief. So you're so, fine with it. Uh, he he asked somebody for a ruling, and the ruling is that, was given. That's not all he did, though. That's not all he did. Okay, Ron, sit down. Ronis, get in yeah. here. <laughs> Please have a better take on this than Ron. Here's here's my issues. I'm torn. I'm torn because I'm actually on Ronnie's side as far as yeah. the rule. <laughs> the rule was ruled upon, and and it's more in the way I believe that he handled it. I'm torn because of this. I would like more people to do what Rory did. Again, not knowing the ball was stepped on. Just take care of the rule the way it's supposed to be done. Ask your playing partner. It, I have an embedded ball rule. They could come over and check it. You take it up. You abide by the rules and the drop procedures or place procedures, and you go forward. But Patrick Reed, for some reason, only when he's near the lead, he decided that, one, he would pick the ball up, 
and then randomly just hold the ball and then call the rules official. And it just looks wrong. But you're, in essence, you're leaving out. It's fine. You're leaving out a lot. Okay. You can say, Ron, and John, you're going to get in here in a second, but you can say, Ron, yep. well, he got a ruling from the rules official. What is there to talk about? What's there to talk about is I think he poked his finger into that. where his ball was to help deceive the rules official who was not on the scene at the time into giving him the ruling he wanted. That's cheating. He leaned forward, extended his arm as I saw it, and helped make his ball mark look bigger than it was. It bunny hopped from knee length. You would have an embedded ball if you dropped it legally in today's rules. In four-inch rough, after it bounced up into a ground, into a double play ground ball four feet prior, no chance in hell. And I'll tell you what, I agree with that fact. Is As soon as he decided that he was going to check if it was embedded, he should have immediately just placed it gently back in that spot and then call the rules official or right. just finish the procedure. A two-finger lift, put it back in, wait for a ruling. Okay, right. now we go to John Gould, who has been... At the forefront of, I'm sure, many embedded ball rules decisions over the years. Go ahead, John. Right. Okay. So first, I'm going to start with a little background for those who are not quite clear on the rule. Okay. So, and in 2019, there were a few what I would call minor changes. Uh, it used to be that the rule said you only got embedded ball re rule relief in a closely mown area. It's actually, in fact, the only time the word fairway was used in the rules of golf to say fairway height or less. Right. In 2019, and then you do a uh, local rule to say it's anywhere in what we used to call through the green, now we call it general area. In 2019, it changed to, to be the reverse. It's embedded ball in the general area, but you can do a local rule to restrict it to, to the closely known areas. And it also a little bit changed in terms of the relief. You used to have to drop it right next to the spot. Now you get a club length, and they got rid of the requirement to notify, which is important here oh. in, in, in this discussion. You, you, you always had to notify, but they didn't have to look. They could have just said, which most of the pros on the tour said, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You know, you know I'm not going to come over and look. So I, I agree with, with uh, where, where Zabe was getting. And the problem I have with this whole situation is when he brought the rules official in. Yeah. If he would have handled it by himself and just done it, you know, I'd have questions because it bounced. But, you know, theoretically, he didn't see it bounce. Uh, it, you know, I, I guess it could have. But I, did, I, I agree with Zabe that it's almost – it's super, so unlikely that it would embed on the, on the bounce that I wouldn't believe it, especially because who it is. But regardless – he didn't give the rules official, you know, it's everyone, for everyone like, uh, uh, um, they were, it's referring to the rules official gave him the call. The rules official had no choice. The ball was already gone. Right. You know, he, he, he has no facts. We don't know if, if the point that, uh, Reed pointed him to was in fact where the ball was. It could have been anywhere. It could have been where the ball impacted the first time right. and, and not where it bounced. I've got no idea. I've got, obviously we're not there. We've got no idea. And part of this, no question is the background we have on Reed. We know not to trust him. So yeah. if it were anybody else, you know, before we found out that, that the volunteer had stepped on McElroy's ball, we were all thinking, well, McElroy would have never done that. You know, he plays by the rules. So we were giving him the benefit of the doubt, not Reed. And that was the big argument. Right. All right. That, 
All right, that's that's know, so. that's good. I agree with that. I think the rules official did all he could. He was stunned when he got on the well, scene. Well, he 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 arrived at a crime scene that had already been contaminated right. to the point where he would have to actively disbelieve what Reed was saying, which I don't think a rules official John would want to do. Let me go back to Ron. Uh, we've gone through the batting order after a weak tapper to the mound for out number one. <laughs> you're back up at the plate. Hey, do you want to know what's going on here? Suddenly, my dog, the general, has decided to bark. So, in full transparency, I was not listening to the opening of the show because uh, okay. I was dealing with fair a fifteen-year-old bassinet. <laughs> fair enough. Like, it was fair enough. It was very obvious. Fair enough. Ron. The, the sun because yeah. he disagrees the, with you, Ron. The sun glinted in your eye, and that's why you didn't get a better Jeez. hit than the Just first time. Just to get up to speed. Can you so, hear him golf barking? Show. No, I couldn't no. hear him barking. He wants no. to be on the show. Well, okay. bring him on the show. Okay. We'd love to have the show. All right, so Ron, go ahead and take another swipe at it. Because I know if you're playing in a match or in a tournament, you saw somebody do what Reed did, I don't think you'd be very cool with it. Oh, gosh. You deal with so much stuff. I can't, I don't get preoccupied with these other guys I play with okay. because 95% of the time they're doing what's right. The other 5%, you expect it from those mm -hmm. that 5%. It's just how it is, but you don't let it bother you. I think we've spent enough time. You run the show, but it's this is it's just it is what it is. There's so much better stuff to okay, talk we're about. We're gonna get to other stuff, but this is kind of important, Ron. You know, but he's this so is... he's so controversial that it 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 clouds the game and it upsets me. Okay. If you really want to know how I feel, all right. It's, You're, yeah, Ron, saying, Ron is Ron is at a very holistic plane in life. He's yeah. he's orbiting at a at a level I want to achieve, right. but it doesn't make for <laughs> good all. discussion here on the podcast. <laughs> No, so no. Well, he's so over too. That's fine. Wait, let's talk about the so the, the the fact that the ball bounced. We all saw it on video replay, and obviously both players, McElroy and Reed, had no idea it bounced. Right. So the rules allow for them to, you know, assume if the ball conditions were wet. You know, it was reasonable to assume that the right. ball could have plugged in its own sure. pitch mark. But the other thing is, you really have to know that it is your pitch mark. You know, there are certain things like if you're the only you see your ball hit just short of the green and there's only one pitch mark. Well, certainly it's going to be yours, but if there's seven of them there, you know, you don't right. know that you're in, in your own pitch mark. Well, you do um, if you so, just barely pick up the ball and replace it back in its own pitch mark <laughs> yes. and then call your fellow competitor right. over and say, look, I'm in my own pitch mark. And he says, or cool. if you push it down and make, make it the, the yeah. pitch right. mark where you've actually uh, broken the plane of right. the ground. While the you pick it too. up, you press it down. There's a great picture in the rule book, which I'm not going to bore you with, but of what means embedded ball. And, and you know, it's got ball. If, if you're below the plane of the ground, it's embedded, whether you've actually punctured the ground or just pushed the ground down. And there's a great picture of a ball and just in long grass, but the, the level of the, of the ground is still the same and the ball is not perforated that that's not embedded ball. That's just a bad break. That's what I think happened to Reed. He was in the bottom of long grass yeah. and he thought, well, he was that's in a, embedded. He was in a bird's nest. We've all been in right. this. Well, or he was in an, uh, that egg in an Easter egg basket that sits in that fake green grass yes. that sits down. That's what that's, it was. But yes, to think that exactly it was embedded it was. in the true sense of the word was, I think, beyond belief. Now, I do believe that Reed did not see the ball bounce, but I also believe he's the kind of guy that would say, huh, okay, not only can I get <laughs> relief from this bad you know, Easter basket lie, but I've got a nice fluffy spot yeah. over here well, where yeah. I will be able to drop twice. It's going to roll onto the path. And now, yeah. ball and in that's, hand. That's the difference. When you watch Rory, Rory came to his ball. He saw that it was embedded. 
He called whoever he's Sabatini. playing with. Sabatini. Sabatini he's still goes, on tour? Yeah, Sabatini says, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. And Rory literally dropped it right on top of the same spot. Right. And, and it was done in about 30 seconds. And we found out and then it just was, yesterday it stepped on. that the volunteer had stepped on it. So yeah. one volunteer didn't see it bounce. The other volunteer steps on it. I must ask the question, boys. What good are these volunteers? <laughs> They're just volunteers. They're about as good as what they get paid. Why doesn't the tour have? Why doesn't the tour have two dozen uh, spotters that they hire at each tournament and pay them actual money that pay attention? Because they don't want to pay for Because they don't want right? money. Yeah. You need four dozen. Yeah. Well, start with two dozen, Ghoul, and then, you know, at least somebody who's remotely. They lost the ball at the Masters this year. So, I mean, let's, <laughs> let's cut them a break. So, so here's the net net of this. I think the rules official did all he could, uh, given the circumstances. Yeah. I think Patrick Reed is an absolutely psychopathic, shameless cheater who seems not affected by this. And I think in the end, it's not worth it for what he did because he won going away, even though the back nine that day, he played like a guy who was, hello, thinking about what his excuses were going to be to Amanda Balionis. Shot 39 on the back, right? Right. So he's throwing strokes away. Like, the money, his reputation is complete dirt now. Yes. It was already. It already was. And yeah. It already was. You're right. But he this doesn't care. Now, it's a me versus the world mentality that I he know. plays with. He doesn't care. He's not friends with these and guys. And he probably thrives on it. I, yes. think he's, I think he's a sociopath. Yes, he is a, really a sociopath. Do. I really do. I just a golf that. sociopath. That's what I mean. Yeah. Not and like, the problem yeah. is, the, the real problem is, is the name that it gives are pristine, which I do believe the game is still pristine, especially when comparing it to the other professional sports. But it gives our game... Uh, a, a black eye that we don't need because the way the media is, it just consumes the media. You know, instead of people talking about uh, yeah. the event itself, they talk about that. I, you know what, though, so, Ron? Any publicity is good publicity. It gets people whatever. in the store. Uh, no, I'm serious. Gets not, people not for golf. It gets people it, in the store. Maybe it's foot. But, I mean, it's foot I'm, traffic. I'm sure we're going to talk about it coming up. It's a great segue into into this whole equipment thing. That so one last point. Yeah, you know, you can go ahead. Yeah, John Gould. One more the, point. The rules nerd me. Get, so when the volunteer stepped on McElroy's ball, just so everybody knows, that is not an embedded ball. You know, embedded ball is when your your shot lands in its right. own pitch mark. Now it's a ball moved by an outside influence. It's good, the net relief is the same. That's one of the reasons the embedded ball relief changed, so it was consistent throughout the rules. He would have ended up in the same spot, but just so everybody knows, that's now a ball moved by an outside influence and not embedded when the guy stepped on it. Right. Is that a drop as close to the spot as you can, or do no, you get a club every length? Every drop now is a club length, right? Yeah. So that yeah. little semicircle behind the ball. Half circle, okay, yep. gotcha. Here's okay. a dumb question. Why don't we just make embedded balls tough friggin' luck? <laughs> Stop! No, I'm serious. Because, because then there's well, be a dumb well, question. Because there's days when the ball's going to get embedded multiple times, yeah. and then oh, you're really? gonna, then you're going to cancel yeah, well, what, those rounds. What days are those? The wet days. Really? What, the wet days. Oh, yeah. oh. When does that ever happen? Multiple oh, I, embedded I, balls. I played in college tournaments where every ball hit into the fairway off the tee embedded. Really? So you, didn't, yeah. you didn't have any of that. They Every didn't, single one. They didn't sploosh out of their wet no. ball market. Literally underground. R- yeah. Really? We get Soaking that at the wet. Cannon Club, too, yeah. in our bent grass fairways. Well, maybe you yes. should hit the ball I, lower, Ronas. <clears throat> Stop hitting it so high, you know? With hit clubs. skimmers. <laughs> hit little low d- daggers. Are we going to have a root rule, too? Oh, my ball's behind a root. That's not fair. Yeah. 
There's not why is why is embedded get this special treatment? How many how many routes are in the fairways, Abe? Yeah, uh, it depends yeah, on the right. course. Thank right. you. A uh, Bethesda you. Country cool. Club, a million. <laughs> they ever played no, there? They cut a lot of this down. <laughs> yeah, they did, but still, you get off the fairways there. It's like holy crap, I'm in jail. Okay, we move on to something even more uh, minute, or <laughs> something even more mind numbing yeah. to those who don't play the game, but are but for those who do play the game is very, I think, interesting and important. The RNA and the USGA have put out after millions, literally millions of dollars of research, uh, a proposal or at least a set of guidelines or I don't even know what it is. It's a treatise. It's a something about we probably need to do something about the distance issue in golf. And all I can say is this. What are you trying to do? Because a sailor without a destination cannot just hope for a favorable win. One of my favorite quotes of all time. Or like my father would always say to me whenever I was a teenager and I was noodling some project in the garage or around the house. and He'd, be, he'd walk up, he'd be like, so what are you trying to do here? First question, <laughs> what are you trying to do here? That's my question to the RNA and the USGA. Tell me exactly what you are trying to do. State it clearly and speak up because I've heard just nebulous reasons for why you're going to start reaching in and tinkering with how far the ball is allowed to fly. The greatest ambassador to the game of golf right now, Rory McIlroy, asked to be asked that question yesterday at the press conference. And he said, it is insanely stupid <laughs> to deal with a half of 1% of the population who is so-called hitting the ball too far when millions and millions of dollars could have been spent in the growth the game realm yes, in the sport, and they didn't. Can I play it for you guys? And they're hypocrites. It'd be great. Jay, the RNA yesterday, they gave the impression that this needs to happen in examining equipment standards and possibly rolling them back. Does it? Um, it certainly doesn't need to happen. Um, and I think I said this in there, so... I feel the RNA and the USGA are looking at golf through a tiny, narrow little lens that pertains to 0.1% of golfers. Yes, of course the ball goes a long way with top-level professionals and top-level amateurs and, and the guys that sort of make their living playing this game, but 99.9% .9 of golfers don't do that. And they, they don't want the ball to go shorter. They, don't, they, you, we, they need help getting the ball in the air for going further. I mean, golf has had an unbelievable boom in 2020. I mean, it's been like, this pandemic has been so good for golf. And the fact that they're looking at the wrong thing, they spent millions of dollars doing this distance insights report, which I think is, it's not gonna change the game at all. You know, they might put new regulations on manufacturers. Manufacturers are gonna find a way to get around them. That's just, that's how good they are. So those millions of dollars that were spent in the distance insights report should, should have been put back into the grassroots of the game because golf is experiencing a boom. So we need more younger people in the game. We need more minorities in the game. That is, that's how we keep the game going for the next 100 years, not by looking at the ball and looking at the driver. And that's my whole thing with it. I think it, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, it reeks of self-importance. And that sort of, that's not... <laughs> Yes, they're the gatekeepers of the game, and they're, but, but their great. job is to, yes, make sure that the game thrives in 100 years' time, and this is not the way to do it. The way, the, the, the way to do it is by getting more people into the game, by, by, by making it more, by making golf more approachable. 
And if you're just piling and piling rules on the people the entire time, that doesn't make it approachable. Oh, I love this man. Yeah, he needs a statue. <laughs> Have at well, it, boys. Have at it, Ron. Uh, you know what's amazing is that the people that make the rules in almost every sport have never competed at the highest level. And anything that Mike Davis tends to have his hands and, you know, is involved in, or is, is involved in when it comes to decision-making or it seems to get screwed up. And this is a perfect example of a guy who, well, he, and of course the RNA, but this is a gut reaction to what's going on with Bryson DeChambeau and the and the club head speed and all these videos and Instagram and long drive and all these guys trying to kill it. They fear that this is going to become the norm. And it, it isn't coincidental that the timing is as such where you see this ball, this club head speed or this ball speed over 200 miles per hour. And all of a sudden, I mean, Jack Nicholas has been saying this for years, but now all of a sudden, he, you know, they come out with this. So my translation and all that gibberish is, it's stupid, just like Rory said. All right, John it's, Gould, you're stupid. Your thoughts? Yeah, I just find it interesting that it, who this is coming from. You understand the USGA and RNA represent the amateur body, which the bulk of the ninety-nine point nine percent that Rory mentioned are trying to get the ball in the air. Right. Th this is only a problem on the PGA Tour. You know, so. And and they, whether they think it's a problem or not is up to the PGA Tour. I, I would just say one word that we've talked about on this show multiple times, whether it just had to do with anchoring or, or anything else, bifurcation. I have no problem if the tour says, hey, our guys hit it too long for us to set up these courses. We can't make them 8,000 yards. Uh, there's no more room. We're going to roll back the ball. Or we're going to roll back the clubs or whatever, however they accomplish it. You know, there's no way we want to we want to make it harder for the average golfer. John, they I will need say every help they can get. I will say this with the organization that you run and that I'm a part of is the Mid Atlantic PGA. The PGA has to step up here, and we're the gatekeepers of the game of golf, basically. And they need to step up and say this is something that's going to destroy our goals to grow the game. It's all work. You chirp to us constantly, grow the game, grow the game, junior league, all this other stuff. And now they're going to basically go over our heads and say that we're going to make the game harder and less fun. The PGA of America has to step up on this and say, whoa, our whole goal is to bring diversity to this game and to include more people so that our PGA professionals can stay employed and make other people love the game like we have. And I haven't heard a peep from them any time right. these situations happen. So well, you bring that forward to your people. I will, and I will say they are they are going to be involved. It's just, you know, the report just came out, and, and we weren't involved, you know, in the study. They didn't uh, even so, know the study was happening? Uh, I'm sure. Because they, they should already have a response. It's been going on for a couple of years. I mean, yeah. you, you can spend money quick, but to spend a couple million dollars takes a year or two. Yeah. From shame. what I understand, <laughs> if I may, a devil's advocate on the bifurcation solution, which is just issue a tour ball or a master's ball yep. to every competitor, sell it, by the way, to Titleist or TaylorMade, whoever comes up with the most scratch, you hand them a dozen pellets on the first tee and go, good luck. Everyone gets the same ball, right? Yep. If you Nasty. do that, and if you roll it back 10%, 
Wouldn't that embolden then the rest of the manufacturers to start creating real rocket balls for amateurs and for the casual player that go super far beyond what they're making now, unless they can't make the ball go any farther than they currently do. In other words, my question is, if the manufacturers were unleashed by way of bifurcation, could they create absolute rocket balls that fly forever? Well, I mean, they push the envelope as much as possible right now. I don't think there's a ton of things on the golf ball as there is on the equipment itself. So, But, they, but, they, but they, the, they the manufacturers voluntarily toe the line of what the USGA and the Royal and Ancient say. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll figure out how to make it go farther. But the fact is, there, there's no reason we just can't keep the rules as they are right now, that they can't yes. go as far any farther, and then just go forward with what we need to go forward with. We don't need but, to roll things back to 1979. I'm not going to pay $12.50 for a dozen a cushionet pro special. Okay, but my point is, if the tour guys are playing a special ball that's rolled back, why wouldn't the manufacturers for the casual game players say, have our space ball that goes 10% further than what used to be the USGA legal limit? Well, I think bifurcation doesn't mean there'll be rules for the tour and there won't be any <laughs> rules at all for the for the amateurs. Yeah. I, I think it, it just Well, there will we be. Can, we can have different rules. There will be, but I'm saying as soon as the manufacturers get out of line with following the USGA and the RNA, then you got a problem because some guy at an amateur tournament is going to show up with a, a moon ball and it's going to be labeled like a regular Right. And you'll have no way to check. That's the thing. You could have manufacturers making balls that go crazy far, and you wouldn't be able to weed that out at the amateur level. Yeah, You know what? It's fine how it is. We just don't need <laughs> yeah. this crap. Well, we have the, one uh, major championship for someone who hit it real far. We have two or three major championships for someone who was using a telephone pole for a putter. Just deal with it. People are always well, going to try to figure it out. Let them. It's part of the, part that, of the game. John, that's exactly what he said, what he said, what Rory said about the self, this reeks of self-importance. Right. And that's exactly how these guys feel about those ties, the tie and shirts, the the white shirts (laughs) and the ties who that Mike Davis, I can't, I literally can't stand looking at the guy. I can't stand listening to him. He, he, why just stay out of the game, man? When you set up the golf course, just set it up the way it's supposed to be. Stay out of the business, (laughs) man. He's retiring. This isn't about you, dude. I know he is, but it's not (laughs) about you, bro. Well, I I think there's something to be said for there's nothing broken. In other words, so when you roll the ball back 10% for the tour pros, what are you expecting? And I would bet they would stammer because they don't have an answer. Are you expecting more gate revenue? Well, uh, 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 are you expecting suddenly 6,900-yard classic courses to be put into the Rota? Well, no, there's no tent space or parking. Are you expecting for there to be more TV viewers? Well, we can't. So what do you want to get out of it? Well, they're not going to get anything out of it, but they're going to smother it with the amount of pesticides that are used on these 12,000-yard golf courses or and the amount of water that's being used and all this other stuff. That's what they're going to smother it with. But their whole thing is, okay, it looks like this is something that maybe we can control. So let's try to control it. Just stay out. We're, honestly, how just trite, stay out. How trite and hollow was the comment that we've got to protect the game for the next 100 years? 
Do you think? I mean, do we even know what it's going to be like the game in fifty years from now that you could predict that your actions are so uh, are so influential and and uh, monumental that you're going to affect the outcome? Well, of oh, I know there's no now. game if there's no players. Well, I know, right. <laughs> I know this at the turn of the twentieth uh, century, somebody would have strangled titanium in its crib if they could have seen what was coming, because that's what a hundred years looks like. So right. you're not well, going to be feathery. able to stop that. I mean, or the feathery the or the gutta percha and everything else. And then else. the gutta. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. Just, and you know what? Golf is better. Golf is yes. better than it was in 1908. And it doesn't suck. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. It is cool to watch. Hey, and, anybody who watched the back nine of Tory this past weekend didn't see any ball affecting the play. I mean, no. The winner shoots even par and wins by five right. on the back nine. It was a tough golf course. Tough conditions, narrow fairways, long rough. Yep. There you have it. It's fun. All right. That's that makes tough score. All right, exit scores. exit question. What will happen in the wake of this report? Not what should, not anything else. What will actually happen? We'll start with you, John Ronis. Nothing. John Aaron Thomas. Nothing. John Gould. Yeah, much ado about nothing. Wow. Well, I think something's got to be done. Bureaucrats got a bureaucrat, and they now feel <laughs> uh, that they've got the imprimatur to act. I think we're uh, going to see one of the majors, probably the Masters, implement a tournament ball, and we'll see how it goes. That's different, though. That's the Masters, Steve. That's the, its own entity. Bro, I'm just saying what's going to happen. You said okay. nothing. This is something. But, you know, the you, Masters. But this was the, the Masters and the RNA is different I, from the Masters. Well, so fair, I, fair enough. You shouldn't be able to be on any of these committees of the RNA or USGA unless you have a tea time at eight a.m. on a Sunday morning at a public course, or you <laughs> played on tour. <laughs> yeah, public course. Those are the two people who should decide our fate. <laughs> the fairways are all brown. <laughs> public. Like like Kramer talking about public golf. I mean, come on. What are you doing here? Well, I can't go back to the public courses now. I can't. I won't. I mean, you know what that's like? It's crowded. The grass has big brown patches in it. They don't rake the sand traps. Not to mention the caliber of people you have to play with. That's great. All right. We move on. Uh, Tiger Woods had another back surgery. Back surgery. I need yeah. vocal cord surgery. Um, what do you think this means for the upcoming season? It's being played off as, well, you know, it's not that big a deal, but those who have danced with the devil that is back problems, you would know, Mr. Ronas, say this is not good. No. It's just it's the way it is. I said this six years ago when we talked about it. It's just something that's going to, he's going to have good times and bad times, and right now it's not a good time, and um, but are there any more good times on the horizon? Very few. Very few. Really? So he's just going to have to get lucky where his game's in shape and um, he, he isn't feeling any pain. It's a it's a very difficult thing to deal with. I, I empathize with him, but um, I just wish him luck. Ronnie, will we see Tiger win again? Oh, I'm not counting the guy out. Tiger and I are in a very good place right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I'm not watching the documentary much to your chagrin and he and I are in a very good place and I'm not going to ruin it by saying he's not going to win again because I recall three guys say or maybe he was cool and I were the only ones that say he was done we were in the hitting bay I said and golfed him oh, okay I, I said, he's not going to win again. He was done never going to win again. yeah yeah but I mean that was the out. overwhelming favorite there. Yeah. I mean the guy right. was I couldn't hit a ball for three years 
That said, you're doing yourself a huge disservice oh. by not watching the documentary. Now, you haven't seen it yet, have you, Ronis? i got to give you my password for no, HBO I'm, I'm Max. I'm almost a little bit on Ronis' right. side that I just don't John Gould, have you seen the documentary? I have not. Well, all right. That, well, that, I, I will watch it, right. though. I just, there's, one, so, there, there's one thing off my list for today's show. We're having a, Three golf guys that haven't a, watched the best piece of golf content in 10 years. Next you Thursday night, it. we're coming to Zabe's. He's going to give I'm us the HBO crap. Max pass, and we're going to watch it. All right. Let's play Let's play a quick nine, and then we'll do our goals for 2021. And John Ronas uh, has started a wonderful initiative he wants to tell people about as well. Just part right? of my goals. All right, here we go. Hole number one, quick nine. What is the single best thing to do while waiting out winter as a golfer? We'll, uh, we'll start with uh, Mr. Ronis as honors. Ronis, Thomas, Ghoul is the batting order. Then I'll come in at the end. I don't know if I could answer that in the past, but I actually put a simulator in my garage this year. And nice. playing golf on a simulator with my son, uh, my older son, who's 21, gives us time that we wouldn't normally spend together. So right now, I'm actually enjoying that time um, together. Playing. Nice. Ron Thomas, best awesome. thing to do in the winter while waiting out. Well, if you have the means and the ways of traveling to go a warmer south. destination. Like yeah. you going to Pinehurst, where you now have got a crib, which we can't wait to come invade and you know leave your towels on the floor <laughs> and be right. bad hosts. Yes. And, and Florida <laughs> next week. But yeah. uh, the best thing, how I'm waiting out winter with my son is we are going to Topgolf con- or often, and I really say constantly. You know, we've been three days nice. out of the last five days. It's great. I love it. So right. that's my John Gould, what's the best thing to do while waiting out winter as a golfer? Yeah, I got the I got the same take that Ronnie did. Warm weather vacation, bring your clubs, uh, enjoy it, but also get get the get of the warm weather. For me, it is sharpening my grooves. A Ooh. Dremel <laughs> Moto yes. tool. Oh my god. Yep. Every single groove. Yep. It's a long, tedious process. Diamond edge. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then, and then you oh, can play the top. top flight XL this year. Hole, hole number two. Well, name one thing from your youth that you would desperately love to be able to still do consistently as a golfer. <laughs> How about hit a four-yard draw right down the middle with a driver just once again in my life? That's what my answer was. God, just to go Hitting back a to draw clubs. off the tee. I remember distinctly Reston National was well, actually was rest yeah, it was Reston National back in the day. Or no, it was just Reston what was the Reston National course back in the day? Rest in peace. Uh, what a- <laughs> <laughs> remember hitting the uh the old tailor made burner driver. I remember I could- a power build citation. Yeah, and I could I remember as a as a teenager I could set up and be like, yeah. this is just gonna be it was like you, Ron, hitting those shrimper hooks, which is your go-to mm-hmm. move so all day, every day. Ron, what do you wish you could still do as a uh, golfer that you did as I a wish kid? I, could, I, I wish I could putt like I could yeah. did when I was a kid. Yeah. I was the best putter. So I figured, cool. By far. Yeah, I, I chip in. I used to look, every chip I got up there, wow. I was looking to make it. Uh, my flop shot was money. I, I, I was a such a good shipper when I was a kid. And I, man, I, I, now I'm hoping to get it on the green. Oh, uh, but I was thinking about making every chip when I was a kid. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, name one golfer you would literally move out of first class and then sit in coach next to the restroom if you needed to if you were on a flight with them and they started talking. 
Mine's Bubba Watson. It almost reminds me it reminds me of that airplane scene when the guy's sitting next to him and talking, 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 and then all of a sudden you mm-hmm. see him hanging from the rafters. That's that's oh, literally that's funny. what I would feel like if I was sitting that next is to Bubba. Funny. All right. Ronnie. Billy Horschel. He's my favorite. <laughs> Don't John, laugh. John Gould. Bryson. Hey bro, hey bro, man, you ought to take these protein shakes, bro. <laughs> yeah. Look at what it's done for me, bro. By the way, he's off the shakes now. He says, "Oh, really? Yes, yeah. the the great bulk up experiment is over." He says he's going to lean out. He doesn't mm. like looking mm. the way that he does. Okay. Well, he. Oh, wait a second. The angle I, that the uh, stewardess uh, or the flight attendant handed you the the, the food. I mean, it, it'd be a. I just yeah, twenty minute conversation. I just made a du- I just made a double bogey. Yes, you I did. That, I know, I Ronnie. I would I, get I, out and go yeah. sit next to him. I was going to circle back to you because I knew when Sorry. you said that. Oh. So now yeah. let's, let's, right. my, let's do that again. Mine, mine is easily uh, dishambo. So anyway. okay. okay. Was the dog barking yeah. again? It must have been. What I'm glad is it got me. It gave me good a chance one. to go before Ronnie, so I wasn't there copying go. him. He got yeah. to copy me. That was good. I would say a three way tie between Ian Poulter. Dustin Johnson, who would just be like, oh, hey, hey okay, man, uh, this is a good flight. And then Frank <laughs> Nobolo. If Frank Nobolo sat next to me, I might have to jump out onto the wing. All right, number hole number four. Oh. Defend one somewhat controversial architecture feature on golf courses that some people or maybe a lot of people hate. Sand I- greens. Wow. That was a joke. Wow. That was a joke. <laughs> yes. was when a was joke. the last time you My played God. one of those? Uh, I don't <laughs> like I huge swales in the middle of greens or anywhere on greens because to me it's a waste of real estate and you can't ever put a pin there. No, but defend so, it. So one, one oh, thing defend that, it? Yeah, yeah defend. defend one thing. You're like, people hate this and I'm fine with it. Dogs barking. Yeah, dog <laughs> Tucker's in here barking. Uh, I'll, yeah, pass. Right. I'll pass. I'll pass. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've got one. Yeah. Um, I love golf courses that don't have sand traps. I think there needs to be more of that. And a lot of people would say, oh, it's a boring golf course. They need sand traps. Okay. They just redid Eisenhower in Annapolis, and it's fantastic. Not oh. one sand trap on the golf course. Or bunker. How, how about trees in the oh, middle gosh. of the fairway in the in the, oh. in the the run of play? Do you, yeah, do, would no, you, you defend, defend that? that? All right. Uh, John Gould, defend one. Somewhat controversial. I, I don't know if this is controversial, but I, but I, I, I love the fact that some courses have uh, drivable par fours. Uh, I think mm. you know some people don't like them. I, I love them. I think okay. it, it, it's a good one. I, I would just say forced carries. Okay, uh, mine is railroad ties. The reason is they're visually intimidating to me. I think mm-hmm. there is there's a starkness to them that I think add you know too much is too much. It's like salt or too much ketchup on something, there's a right amount. But I will defend railroad stakes. I don't think they're as unnatural as some people say. Okay, number five. Is there a more beautiful scene than a golf hole covered in snow? I have one. I do too. That would be a golf hole not covered in snow. Yeah. yeah. Did <laughs> Is you that say the obvious scene? answer? Yeah, the most sad scene? No, yeah. it's, no. it's beautiful Is in it, a way. It's a... Uh, no. it, no, Did you not see the pictures of Muirfield Village covered covered in snow this week? How many people were traveling from Florida to come see that? <laughs> I didn't I'm say sure walk on the whole. I'm saying as as just a nod to the fact that life and golf has seasons. And that here is the beautiful thing we love, golf, and a golf hole that's recognizable. 
coated in a nice thick blanket of white snow, idyllic, beautiful, saying, for now, it's it's not happening, but it will be. Yeah. It gives you something to look forward to. All right, fine. But you guys are romantic. You, there there <clears throat> is something that's more beautiful than that, and that's a, a golf hole on the water's edge. You that know, is I'm pretty picturing- good. Pebble Beach or Casa de Campo, where yeah. you got a hole right on the uh, on the ocean. So yeah. the question is: Is there a more beautiful scene? Yeah, Steve. Yeah, it, beautiful sunny day, water on the water. Steve, mm-hmm. a golf hole covered in snow is pretty. So I understand right. where you're coming from. I hear you. But okay. To, but from a guy, really quickly, a guy who hasn't been playing golf, you don't have the itch. So I think that you aren't looking at it like well, people who are able to play. Maybe my whole play. career is in winter right now. Some holes are not <laughs> Golf, golf radio, and more. Winter. Let's I'll save yeah. that for my therapist. Hole number six. Name one golf technology or trend or gadget or thing that you hope to live long enough one day to see in person. I'm not going to live long I, enough to see this, but I would like to see completely artificial grass courses. Ooh, all right. Wow. Ronnie? I got one. Uh, I would like to see golf balls, and I think I will actually see it, golf balls with microchips in <laughs> them so you can find the golf ball, and it's all done on your phone. Wow. The app. If You, you never lose a golf ball, and you would, can look at your distance, your strike, match, smash factor, all that stuff. Would that be an abomination to the spirit of the game or no? No, no it's okay. definitely common. All right. All right. Uh, cool. I need to move in front of Ron. He stole mine again. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> Findable golf balls is what I had. I was going to say. I was going to say either find every ball technology or shot tracer sunglasses. Yeah, you'd mention that. That's a good one. <laughs> or or um, indoor full eighteen hole courses over six thousand yards. So in other words, oh, wow. gigantic domed courses. Nice. Which what about night golf? Why isn't there more night golf right now? Uh, yep. You run the numbers on it. Tears up the course, costs money to electrify. Golf is barely profitable in the day, Ron. You want to add an electricity bill to that? Zoning ordinances and on and on. There's a couple places, par threes. There's one in Vegas, Angel Park. There's one one in L.A. I played a par three. I think there's one in Dubai or something. Yeah, that's where I see the pictures. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, well, the the money doesn't matter to them. (laughs) Correct. Money. Uh, Hole number seven. You have the choice. Play in a light rain in 70 degrees or 60s in sun but with winds and gusts sometimes topping 30 miles an hour. 20 steady, gusts of 30. I'll Which you one got, you I've been going first all the time, so you guys tee off. All right. I made double. Go ahead, Gooley. Uh, light rain every time. Light rain yeah, doesn't me too. bother me at all. I'm, I'm not a good enough golfer to handle the wind. I, I hit the ball high, and, it, and the wind takes it everywhere. So light rain in the 70s is, is beautiful to me. I don't, I don't mind a little. I agree. I, I agree. The, the wind annoys the wow. crap out of me. I would, actually, I would actually play in the dry and the wind. I know I would shoot terribly, but I just hate the futzing with all the rain gear yeah. and the umbrellas. Okay, hole number. Well, you like to hit worm burners. So <laughs> exactly. Hole number eight. How much... Walking around naked in your club's locker room is, quote, normal. Never happens at our club. Not yeah. once. I've never Just seen Just to it. the shower and back. That's it. <laughs> okay. So as little as possible is the right answer? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah. You ever been to a club where there's members so comfortable, they just peacock it all the way through the locker room? Yeah. I think that's I, an age thing. Yes. No, it is. There's older no members, question. Older generation used to, you know, because that's what they did growing up. That, that, <laughs> yeah. That's way more common. And, and our age group, that's not. And my kids, you know, their age group, man, they, they they're not changing in front of anybody. 
I yeah, I would know, have. I it's a generation thing. At Woodmont, I would like come in. There was pesticide on the course, and I'd want to wash my hands or something. And there'd be a eighty year old guy who would just stroll up to the sink next to me, completely naked, and then start having a conversation. <laughs> I know. And it's just it's the most uncomfortable thing in the world because was it Red Auerbach? Guy could be no, guy could be in great Steve shape, Buckhams. but you know you just you can't look down, and you're just envisioning God. That, gravity does some serious uh, things to the older man. <laughs> <laughs> I, at the venerable Milwaukee Country Club, the locker room and showers melts into the dining area and bar. So you can walk literally through a row of lockers, see some altacocker in his birthday suit and all his sag and his skin spots and everything else, and then turn around and look at a bacon club. Yeah, see, that's a And thing. it's just you too much, too close. You can't mingle a naked and like a bowl of M&M's. <laughs> It just, oh you God. can't have that. They have to be completely separate. <laughs> All right. Uh, finally, hole number nine. Is there a way to somehow save the golf channel? This is a topic for a broader discussion, but talk to my friend and former colleague, Gary Williams, who's no longer with the company. He said the bloodbath was of epic proportions. A company of nearly 450 employees slashed down to about 50 that are survivors moved to Connecticut. Yeah, stupid. It's a shell of its yeah. former self. Is it savable? And if so, how? I don't know if it's savable because of the economics. I don't know the economics of, you know, what they're making per, you know, per subscriber and all that stuff. But if it were, you know, what it, I think what it is, is more live content. And my answer to that is, is Monday qualifiers. I love following the Monday qualifier Twitter, uh, Twitter handle. Uh, so if you could do Mondays and you do like PGA uh, Club Pro stuff, like our, our Club Pro Championship is a Sunday to Wednesday event, you got to have live golf all the time. Okay. Put Monday the qualifies. LPGA, you can put the LPGA Monday through Wednesday or something. Yeah. You got to have golf every day. Ron? That's the only way to make it work. All right. Well, that's I like that, Ghoul. However, the live content doesn't need to be tour players. It needs to be the club yeah. championship at certain clubs or the municipal tournament. Or, I mean, if they really want. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to do it and appeal to the regular guy, the yeah. or woman, the girl, the golfer, show them stuff that's going to be. How about the final round of the club championship somewhere? The yeah. final match, and guys drinking beer and yeah. just you know, I mean, that's it, how you yeah, look. I, I just don't know how much that costs to do all that live I, production. I, I, true, the I, golf. Well, considering channel. now, you can make a movie with a with an iPhone. Oh, you yeah. know, I, I, right. I, the, the, the golf got, channel in its inception was insane to even think that it would work. But it worked for a long time. And it worked. The so economics were fine for figure, a long as, time. As our Loudoun County guy said, it was on national news. Figure it figure out. Figure it out. Right. I've got four. I, I say, yes, live events are important, but have some good, interesting shows you can get addicted to as a fan of the game. I've got four ideas. I'm going to workshop them for Capital you. Capital Golf Gang would be one. That'd be one. Perfect. Uh, how about uh, grass class? Learn just enough about agronomy to be dangerous. Perfect. How ding, about ding. dog tr dog track? See the best people at the worst courses in America. Ding ding. How about golf trip confidential? Learn about some of the most unique, long-standing guys and gals golf trips. Great. By amateurs. Ding ding. And then this one, red tea ride along. Four hot female golfers dishing on life, dating, and golf 
on some of the best courses in the world. Might be a different channel. No, no nudity. Nothing inappropriate. Just, you know, red tea ride along. I got all the names. We've been talking about this for several years now. About how their content has been half-assed. And certainly their personalities have been half-assed. Their on-air personalities. And there's a million personalities on-air, off-air that are no longer have a job. I know. And they'd be more than willing to produce those things. All right. I got one minute for each of you guys on the way out the door. Sorry for the time crunch, but I'm literally up against another hit here. So give me a minute. Ronis, what are you doing? Uh, my goals, if we want to go goals, I have a uh, 501C3 uh, to help uh, underprivileged golfers get to the next level. John knows about it, and I'm going to push it hard this year. And you can go on to thesecondt.com, and you can learn all about the organization, and you can donate if you'd like. So please, it is a huge step that I believe the PGA of America, uniquely to any other of these sponsoring organizations, is going to get behind and really show what the PGA professional can do for these youth. Ron Thomas. Uh, well, I've got, as we, as many of you know that listen to the show, I've got a 12-year-old boy that's playing a lot of tournaments and we're starting to travel a lot. And uh, something that I want to work on and need to be better at is when I go to these tournaments, not wanting to go play myself. <laughs> you know, go out and play around a golf because I got to be there to watch. Ronnie, them, you learned that from the best, so Fred Funk. Yeah. Oh, right. it's, so, it's so true. He used to drop us off at the backdrop. That's right. So you want play play well, boys. <laughs> you go play the local course. Right. I just experienced it in Pinehurst, but no, that's true. Though I, I do I do need to not have such an infatuation with the game that when I watch him play, I don't think, you know, why is he doing? That? I got to remember he's only twelve. Yeah. But, John Gould, real you know. quick, what do you got? A great segue from Winston. Uh, you know, it's uh, February or early February when we're recording this. Uh, it's uh, registration time for junior golf with the MAPGA, whether it's junior league registration, which is open uh, for all the uh, club teams, uh, and our junior, our, our Middle Atlantic PGA Junior Tour, uh, they can start registering for spring and summer events. Uh, so anybody uh, listening locally, uh, you know, please go to mapga.com and get your children signed up for events. Best organization around. All right, guys. Yep. Love you, boys. Great Thanks, job guys. today. Good run. We'll do it again soon. All right, boys. See, you. Boys. See you. There yeah, you. See you. There you go. Later. Capital Golf Gang on the Team 980. If you'd like the gang to visit your home course, send your inquiries to Zabe at Yahoo.com. That's C-Z-A-B-E at Yahoo.com. Or visit the show page at www.theteam980.com. And for free swag, we're all in extra large. So, yeah, thanks for the shirts.